0: Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. In our sermon series, Tell Me the Truth, we're asking big questions and turning to God's Word for big answers. Today's speaker is teaching minister, Tim Peace. So we are in a, in a series called Tell Me the Truth. Aaron Adams, our student minister, kicked this off last week. And Tell Me the Truth is really an opportunity for us to take a look at questions that we hear all the time with regard to living out faith. Questions that people struggle with. Questions that people ponder and questions that will hopefully uh, help ignite faith. And so Aaron started us off last week and we talked about the importance of reading Scripture and Aaron said something in his message that stuck with me all throughout this week. He challenged each and every one of us to wrestle with Scripture. Because the reality is, is that Scripture, you know, someone can tell you, ah, oh, just pick up the book and read it. It's not that easy for anybody. And yet, if we're willing to do the work to get into the muck and mire of it. God can bring his word to life in us and help ignite our faith. And so Aaron told us to wrestle with scripture for that reason. And I got caught on that word wrestle. Not just because when I was a kid I liked to watch wrestling, you know. Heck yeah. But but because that word, that word invites struggle. It invites fight. And you know, the big thing about Christian faith is a lot of us can, can become guilty of acting like faith is is easy. Or I know that if anybody that, that I encounter, if I'm going through a hard time, one of the worst things someone can do is just, you know, give you the pat answers and just tell you to get over it, basically, because faith isn't easy. That's why it's faith. And so I want to take this theme of wrestling, and I want to apply it to our topic today. And our topic today is on prayer. A couple of sermons ago, I confessed to you that prayer is probably the toughest spiritual discipline for me personally, And it's not really that the words of prayer are that difficult, but it's actually the trust that underbeds the prayer that's a challenge for me. See, I like things to be safe. I like to feel comfortable and cozy. I like to know that God's gonna come through. And prayer, you know, I approach prayer hoping for all of those things, asking for all of those things, but I find too often that that's not exactly how it goes. And so my instinct is, you know, to do what I normally do in any kind of relationship context. I've told you before, I'm an introverted person, okay? So I like quiet. And when I'm really, really, really struggling, I like to go really, really quiet. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear your advice about it. I just want to be quiet and stew on it for a while. Here's the problem with that though. Relationships are a funny thing. Relationships require dialogue. Relationships require that we communicate with one another, that we struggle with one another, that we love one another. And if you retreat like I have the tendency to do, guess what you kill? The relationship. So I want you to have that thought in your mind this morning. Not just about wrestling. But if you're like me at all and your tendency is to retreat. I hope that this morning will be a challenge to you as it's been a challenge to me as I've thought through this topic of prayer this morning. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at two passages. One of them Kind of drives the point home for us. The other one is an illustrative story that really props up the idea here. And and you might find it funny because both of these stories don't really talk about prayer per se, but prayer is implied here. And so the first one is in John chapter 14. And it's just three verses, it's verses 12 through 14 and I would like you to follow along with me on the screens or in your bulletins or in your Bibles as we read this together. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, these three verses are situated in a section of the Gospel of John that Bible geeks call the Farewell Discourse. And they call it that because Jesus goes away in private with his disciples and has a long conversation because you get a lot of red words if you have one of those red letter bibles because Jesus is talking and he's answering their questions for three straight chapters in the gospel of John and these three verses that we just read start off because Jesus has told them that he's going away and they followed Jesus because he's their messiah He's their hope. He's their salvation. And they're thinking, where are you going? You came here to save us. This doesn't ring to us as part of the plan. And so they're concerned. And Jesus responds to these questions by trying to comfort them, to let them know that though he departs, they won't be alone. He tells them that the Holy Spirit will be given to them as an encouragement, as an advocate, as one who will push them forward in faith. Now, I don't know about you, but that would be a struggle to me because I don't know if you guys know this, but the Holy Spirit's invisible, and Jesus wasn't invisible. And... For someone like me, I like the, the, the tangible thing. I like Jesus that I can touch and that I can hear audibly all the time. There's something comforting. And I like to think that the disciples are right there because they don't want him to go. But he not only assures them of the coming of the Holy Spirit, but he promises them that their relationship with God that has been formed in them through Jesus will not suffer. In fact, they still have a line directly to the Father. And so in these three verses that we just read, they don't talk directly about prayer. Jesus doesn't teach them how to pray like he does elsewhere. Jesus doesn't pray yet here. That happens in chapter 17. But he assumes that they will pray. He assumes that they will talk to God. And with that assumption, he says what he says in these three verses. But here's the problem. Verse 14 is one of those verses in Scripture, as Aaron talked about last week, that's really easy to open up and cherry-pick out and do all sorts of damage with. Let me read it to you again. This is what verse 14 says in isolation. I'll cover up the rest so I can do my best cherry picking impression here. He says, You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Really? Are you for real? I can ask for a million dollars? I can ask for a Mustang? I can't think of any other stuff to ask for at the moment, because by the time you get the million dollars and the, you know the rest of it, you just buy it. You don't need to ask anymore. Anyway, uh, is that what he's saying? You see, you know, we laugh at the exaggerated version of that because most of us in this room hear that verse and we know not to cherry pick it, so we don't take it that far out of context. But. What about when we ask God to help us through a particular struggle? What about when we have a family member or friend that's not well? What if we ask God to come through about that job? What if we ask God to help us in our memory for that test? What if we ask God just to Take a hurt from us that has been lingering for so long. And he doesn't. You see, that's where the verse out of context gets really real. But Jesus, you said, I can ask anything in your name and you'll do it. And yet, my family member's not better. I didn't do so hot on that test. I've been struggling with eight months with this issue, and you won't take it from me. And see, when that happens, again, you know what I want to do. I want to go retreat. I want to say, God, you know, yeah, if I was one of those really good Christians, I'd have a gratitude journal, and I'd write down all the stuff, and I'd be able to tell you, You, how good you are to me, but we live in a what have you done for me lately sort of thing, and I really needed you to come through, and this hurts. And when it doesn't happen, and when we've hung on to this verse out of context, without looking at the whole, and we deal with that hurt, we feel dumbfounded, we feel let down, we feel broken, we feel abandoned, we feel forsaken. And not just that I do, but I've seen all too well in the line of work that I do the faces of broken people when it feels like God didn't come through. I know that's a really good pep talk and you guys are feeling great right now. But wait, there's more. You see, because we don't cover up the other stuff And just take that verse out and apply it and whatever other stuff we do. You see, the key actually in this is verse 13. You know what verse 13 says? It says, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now it sounds just the same, the first part. And I will do whatever you ask in my name. We'll see it's there again. But then he says this little thing here. He says, so that my, the Father may be glorified in the Son. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I'm a broken record. See, the thing is, is that our highest calling in life is to worship God. God. And not only is it the highest calling in life, it is the very definition of life. It brings us our greatest joy. It can lead us to our greatest struggles. But it is really, when it cuts down to the chase, the only thing that matters. And thanks be to God that he never loses perspective. God never loses perspective. He knows what is most valuable to us. Not valuable of what we want, but valuable in what he knows is good for us. And that changes the game when we approach prayer. Now, before I go any further... Let me tell you something truthful. That does not mean that God doesn't care about your hurts and your concerns. He very much does. And if we're honest with us, yeah, in the moment maybe we feel let down because things didn't work out the way we wanted them to, but in reality there is so much that has, we just can easily get blinded by all of the good because of the little that's gone wrong or the thing that's gone wrong in the moment. But I know God cares about us because we are made in his image and God hurts and God suffers too. Did you know that earlier on in the Gospel of John, Jesus has a friend named Lazarus. And he goes to see Lazarus after he has died. And when Jesus gets there, Despite what he knows he's about to do and the power that he has to do it, which is to raise Lazarus from the dead. Do you know what Jesus does when he sees his friends weeping and sad? He doesn't just say, buck up, guys. God's in control. Because you know what? That can be really, really hollow to hear when you're hurt. No, Jesus actually weeps with them. Jesus actually feels the loss of his friend and he feels with them the loss of their friend. Jesus loves us. He is there in the hurt with us. His desire is not for us to hurt, but we live in a fallen, broken world. And sometimes when we are doing God's will, It will sting just because of the nature of the world that we live in. So what do we do? What are we supposed to do? Well, that's where this illustration comes in. There's this story in Genesis. There's this story of a guy named Jacob in Genesis. The story we're going to read is in Genesis 32, but before we read it, I want to set the scene up here. Jacob, his name means trickster or more specifically heel grabber. Do you want to know why he was named that? Because he had a twin brother named Esau and Esau was the firstborn but scripture says that Jacob came out right after hanging on to Esau's foot, his heel. Kind of like I don't know, they formed some sort of rope line out. But this name doesn't just apply to the birth story of the two, it sums up the character of Jacob. See, Jacob is a conniving, tricking, win it all costs kind of person. See, in these times, the firstborn. Normally got the birthright and the father's blessing. (laughs) Jacob ain't having any of that. Jacob, Jacob first connives against his brother and steals his birthright. Now Esau gives it up over some food, but I guess if you're really hungry, it's a birthright, right? What does it even mean? Here, you can have it. But then later on, he tricks Esau out of his father's blessing by making his father, who's in old age, think that he's Esau. And then when Esau realizes what happens and he goes back to dad, he says, Dad, isn't there any blessing left for me? Sorry. <laughs> Jacob got there first. And that's the way Jacob does things, over and over and over again. And you know why he does those things that way? Because he knows what he's capable of. He knows his own strength. He knows his mental might, and he goes for what he wants. And you know what he doesn't need when he has all that mental might? God because he's the heel grabber. He can get it himself. But see, in chapter 32 of Genesis, we come to this really, really weird story, starting in verse 22, that I want us to read together. It sets up this way, starting in verse 22. It says, That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. Pause. He's alone. It's nighttime. His family's moved forward. And right here in the middle of verse 24, it says, And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask for my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. What's going on here? Well, here's the thing. When Jacob is so cunning and tricksy as Gollum likes to call hobbits, when when Jacob is conniving, he's always thinking steps ahead of everybody else. But here in the scene, he's left alone in the dark, doesn't see what's coming, and suddenly this man, this nameless man appears and begins to wrestle with Jacob, and it must have been a pretty... Physical confrontation because it lasts all night. And Jacob, in this story here, wants a blessing from this man. And we don't really know why because the story transitions in a funny way. We don't find the big reveal until after this blessing exchange happens. But Jacob is effectively wrestling this person, and he's doing well enough that the man in the story, it says, touches the socket of his hip, and basically takes his hip out of his socket. Now, by the way, it doesn't say, you know, there's not some Hebrew behind here that says that the man, like, hit him really hard, Because there's a a reason this, this story is interesting. It says he merely touched. It makes you wonder about this man that Jacob was wrestling, doesn't it? Was Jacob really that strong? Or was there a point to the wrestling? Because when Jacob and his stubbornness wouldn't give in, all it took was a little touch. But guess what? Jacob, being really stubborn, still doesn't let go. And then it gets weird because he says, he says to bless him. And then the man asks what Jacob's name is. Now, I'm going to give you, since we just read the story, the man is God. This is what we call in theological terms a theophany. A theophany is basically when God chooses to manifest himself in some form that is not his full glory. And there's an important reason to know that that's what God is doing when you realize Jacob's end reaction in this story. Because if anyone sees God in his full glory, guess what happens? They're gone. They're done. So, Jacob is effectively wrestling God in this human form. And God in his power merely touches Jacob but, and knocks his hip out of his socket. And yet Jacob continues to hold on and asks for this blessing. And, and God says, what's your name? Now you know God knows Jacob's name, right? He wants Jacob to say his name out loud because do you remember what Jacob means It means heel grabber, trickster. God is saying, what's your name? Who are you? How do you live? I want you to take stock of that for a moment. And then God turns and he says, yeah, yeah, we're going to get rid of that name and we're going to call you Israel. And Israel means that God strives or it means to strive with God. It's got this dual meaning to it. And it's kind of funny, because he gives the name Israel to Jacob, but it ends up being the name of this nation, that if you read the rest of the story, guess what they do with God the entire time? Struggle. They struggle. And so, Jacob is wrestling with God. Now, Jacob gets a new name, but guess what Jacob doesn't do right in the moment? He doesn't immediately change his ways. Do you know how we know? Because he asks God what his name is. In the ancient Near Eastern world that Jacob would have been alive in, to know the name of a deity gives you power, or at least so it was thought. Jacob's being cunning again. He's thinking, you know, if I get the name of God, (laughs) I'll be mighty. And God's like, nah, I'm not going to tell you that. Uh, Here's your blessing. And then Jacob kind of does an about-face and calls this place Peniel because he says, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Why was his life spared? Because he didn't see God in his fullness, but he did come face to face and wrestle with God. He walked away with a bum hip, but God spared him. Now, here's the thing about this story a lot of people like to take this story and say, this is the perfect analogy for prayer. Nah. It's a story about Jacob wrestling God. But it does teach us something about why not to give up on prayer. Because God loves us so much that he's willing to wrestle with us even when we ourselves are off track. Jacob thought he could get everything under the sun that he wanted on his own, of his own accord. Walking not in step with God, but doing things in a malicious intent. But God does not abandon Jacob, even if Jacob is walking off track with God. No, instead, God shows up and he wrestles with Jacob. And there's another point here, too. If you wrestle with God, you will get hurt. Jacob's hip got knocked out of its socket. In fact, he goes on after the story limping. Which actually is really interesting because now this mighty person, this cunning person, now has a weakness. Do you know what happens when we're weak? We're dependent on God. And remember what I said our highest calling is? It's to worship God fully. Well, if we don't need him, and we're not dependent on him, we're probably not gonna do that. So I wanna come back to this relationship thing. You know, I have to confess something. This is gonna come as a shocker to you. Um, I don't always agree with my wife about everything. I don't always agree with my family members about everything. I don't even always agree with my friends about everything. I can be really, really bullheaded. I like to be a know-it-all sometimes. But, because I know deep down that I don't know it all and that I'm not infallible, there are times where I can create messy relationship situations with the people that I'm around. Because I don't agree. Or they don't agree with me. Or they might be asking me to do something I don't want to do. And I can be stubborn about it. And then when things get messy, do you want to know what I want to do? I want to go be quiet and sulk. And then a few weeks later, I find out that they were right and I was wrong. And not only were they right and I was wrong, but I was better for having listened to them in the first place. Now, getting from sulk to that recognition in that span takes work, it takes struggle if I stay in that place of shutting down, I not only do not grow from the situation, but I actually harm the relationship. We all know that that's true. You can't have a relationship if you don't relate with people. And that's the kicker about prayer. Prayer isn't just something that we check off Because some preacher told us that we should pray more. It's not a religious obligation. In fact, I wish sometimes we'd strike the phrase spiritual discipline out of our vocabulary. Because relationship with God isn't a checklist of things that will make us better if we do them and worse if we don't. It's more simple and deep than that. The truth is that if we don't do the things that keep us in relationship with God, we don't have a relationship with God. We simply don't. Just like with our friends and our family members and our significant others. and If we don't relate with them, we don't have a relationship. We don't work through things We don't grow. We don't get stronger. So, the point of the Jacob story is this it's not go pray and treat your prayer like a wrestling match, it's get in there and wrestle with God and don't run away and abandon prayer. Don't abandon God. I can promise you this, he won't abandon you. In fact, sometimes we'll pray things that sound really good. God, I want, you to, I want you to help me grow. God, I want you to give me patience. God, I want you to give me strength. Let me tell you something just flat out honest. You pray those things, he will answer and I can tell you from experience, you won't always like the answers that you get. The things that God has allowed to happen in my life that have sharpened me, that have chiseled me, have been some of the most painful, annoying experiences of my life. And I would be lying to you if I didn't tell you, or if I came up here and told you I, I loved experiencing them, but I wouldn't trade the hurt for how far along I've come. And I don't think you would either. Jesus said that if you ask for anything in his name, he will give it to you so that you can honor the Father through the Son. That is our highest calling in life. That is what prayer is all about. It's about relationship with God, through dialogue, talking to him, hearing him, Because he loves you. So wrestle. Aaron told us last week to wrestle with Scripture. I want to up the ante this week. Wrestle with God. Wrestle through prayer. Wrestle through Scripture. Don't stop wrestling with God. It may hurt, there will be struggles in life. But he loves you and he will strengthen you to reach your highest calling in life, which is to honor him. And then you will be a light to the world, to everyone around you. So I'm gonna ask our our two friends that that are gonna be up here for prayer to come down. But since we're talking about prayer, I actually wanna pray for us to close us out this morning. So if you would, please stand and let's pray together to our Lord and Savior. God, we thank you for being good and gracious to us. We thank you for every good thing that you've done for us. God, I'm guilty even this morning of not recognizing it. Um, But I thank you for just, I just thank you that You don't abandon us even when we want to abandon you. And God, here's the reality is that life is challenging for us. We hurt, we suffer, and uh, we know you care for us. But God, I just pray that for each and every person in this room, I pray that you will sharpen us in a way that will draw us closer to you. But I pray, God, that, that each person in this room, every one of us that are sitting next to one another will we'll notice that we have somebody in our lives that can be a support, that can be someone to lean on. You haven't abandoned us. You haven't left us, and you haven't left us alone. And we just thank you for that this morning. And I pray, God, that the knowledge of that will inspire us to continue to come to you in prayer. And that through that prayer, we will grow closer to you and that we will become the light that you would have us be in this world. And I pray, God, that each time we do that, that it will inspire us to come back again and again and again, even when it gets hard. We thank you for being so good to us, and it's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.